Okay, Cal. How's the sound quality? Much better than what's up. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we can get started here. So this is Methodical Millions, our idea of doing better in life, paying attention to what's going on with the world and, and sharing ideas. So we can continue with what you're saying. So a lot of people keep asking me, how's the trading going? And what if I give you $50,000 and can you invest it and take a portion of the returns? And I keep telling them, you know, no one taught me what I've learned. It's all self-taught. I learned everything on my own, took me all this time. And if I can turn $50,000 to a million dollars, for example, for someone, I can definitely do it for myself. I don't need to go through the, the agony and pain and the stress of doing it for someone. So I can do it. I'll just use my own money. Yeah, the mental the mental tax is just too high, right? I mean, I wouldn't say it's easy, but we do notice there are patterns to pay attention to, and they don't happen often. They don't happen all the time. It's about getting better at being plugged in and seeing what's going on. But it's amazing how people, like, you wouldn't even be talking to them. You just have a million dollars in the bank. People always want the easy way out oh, I know someone, why don't I give them my money and take care of it? They want the quick buck. And if easy come, easy go is one of the best sayings I've heard because it's so true. It resonates with so many things in my life that I thought I could make a quick buck with. And again, it comes easy and then goes easily. So, right. And, and that's the thing. Okay, if I end up making 200% return on a trade, for example, right, which is fantastic. But that's the thing. If it took me one trade and let's say it was a swing and it took me a week or a few days or a month or whatever it was, that's after years of agony, years of education, years of losses and wins and ups and downs. So it's what I've learned throughout all that process that led me to to get there. Think of it as an athlete thing, right? A runner can do a 400 meter dash in I don't know how long, whatever seconds. And it's much faster than everyone else on the planet. It's because they've been practicing their entire lives for this 30 seconds or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's a very, very good analogy. It's very exciting. And that's why I'm doing it. And I'm sure that's why you are. But we have a lot more in terms of what we want to do and how we want to grow. It's financial education that's really missing. And I'm in big shock of finding out how many people really don't have any financial education. It's shocking including many in the finance industry, they don't have that. It's uh, just a job for some, you know. The line is drawn between someone who's passionate and someone who does it for a paycheck. And if you're forced to rent your time because you need to pay your bills, I find that you'll turn off when you go home. You won't be thinking about it. You won't be researching the next little bit that you find interesting. And I think that's what separates the people who do really well in a certain field. It could be professionally it could be like you said athletic um a hobby it really comes down to how important it is to you and what drives you yeah so what gave you the drive to do this what was it that clicked and made you think you know it was just a feeling it wasn't some profound statement for sure um i think that comes over time and experience but it was just wanting more there's got to be more to this i think it was opportunity it was hey, you know what, let me dump some money into TFSA. It was actually penny stocks at the beginning. So, I mean, 
you always hear from a friend of a friend and it's not like a get rich quick necessarily. It's called opportunity. So I made some, I lost some, but I realized, Hey, you know what? Maybe there's something to this. There's how much money moving in the markets every so often. And you know what? It just out of a curiosity is worth paying attention to. So that was my start, you know? Um, and it led to more questions. Can you find patterns? Can you actually do this professionally? And that's kind of where it all began. And what about you? Was it something similar or? Yeah, well, my entire life, I'm just thinking I was never the businessman in the family. Let's say I never thought of finances. I just thought, you know, I do very well in school. I go to a good university, graduate, get a top job and get wealthy. Right. That's just the way I thought it was. And it's not until I got into the workforce. It was actually during the 2008, 2009 recession. So. I realized how difficult it is just to get a job. And what happened there is once I did get a job and I started working, I've had three jobs at once and then I was working full-time, part-time and slowly but surely I got really good at my job. I was commission-based. But even then I started realizing it's still very difficult just to make ends meet. So I taught myself how to manage money well and that was still not enough. So money management in itself was good. And that's when I thought there must be more to this. How come people out there are making a million and $10 million and, and up? How are they doing that? They're not all business owners, right? And that got me thinking. Even though I had university education in accounting and finance, I never really worked in the field. I worked in automotive finance, but that has nothing to do with the finance as we know in terms of investing, right? So I slowly started reading up and, and that's when I started thinking, okay, that's one way to do it. And realize that just like you plant a seed and you give it water and sunlight for it to grow, that's what you need to do with your money, metaphorically speaking, obviously. So that's when it clicked and I never acted upon it properly until a few years ago. But one step at a time, and here we are, just accumulated over the years and started slow. And then now it's my entire focus. Yeah, it's really, you got to admire that in people that find passion in something and it kind of draws you in, right? It's not just the everyday. I had a similar background, two jobs for about 10 years, and I was in the grind in the rat race. And I knew I was smart enough, but I didn't want to feel entitled. So I kind of took a different path, not the easy path, but when you make your own mistakes, you kind of find your own true purpose and you drive your own direction. I really believe in that. You made a good point about it not being enough. And I really think about that a lot. So you got to live sustainably. That's step one, right? I don't think you can have a sound mind in investing without being cash flow positive, without having enough to cover your bills. I think it's very dangerous. So what do you think about that? Uh, 100% agree. Should I invest? 100%. My personal opinion is I agree with you 100% about that. And I think the actual answer to that question is everybody should invest in one way or the other. Because like you said, you have to have a sustainable living. So assuming you have a job and you earn, let's say, $2,000 a month just for argument's sake, right? You have to live below your means I'm not saying to the point where you're really making it difficult for yourself, but anything that you can live without, just live without. For the longest time, I didn't have Netflix, even any subscriptions for that matter. I just subscribed to Netflix in December of last year. 
So it's been only four months for me as a Netflix subscriber, and that's because my wife enjoys it, and we recently married. So it's not even for me, but I'm just saying that anywhere where I can cut corners, what do I need? I need a car to get me from A to B. Those who don't know me, I'm a big car fan. I enjoy cars a lot, but it doesn't mean I need to drive a sports car. Do I have money to buy a sports car? Yes, perhaps I can afford to buy a sports car or payment on a sports car, but it doesn't mean that I have to put myself in that situation because that will stop me from putting my money to actual work and do something for it to grow and then eventually maybe buy that car one day cash. The one thing that you can't buy is time. And that's where I think everyone should invest in something, whether it was actual markets or whether it was into a business or their passion. But I think everyone has to invest for them to have any kind of sustainable life or an enjoyable life. That is 100% key. I call investing building the future of the world. So every dollar has a purpose. I mean, past sustainability, right? You need to pay your bills. That's that's an emergency. That's an essential. Yeah, I'll never sure. argue that. And I grew up that way. Spend my paycheck on the second day it comes in the bank, right? But um, it's a mix of saying, well, can I invest in myself? Whether it's education or, you know, I believe in breaking the rules. That way, if you know you're going to get a return, you can really, really improve your life. So that's important. Use your judgment. But eventually... If you grind at it enough, you budget, you pay attention at your finances enough, you'll realize I didn't need that third coffee. I didn't need that extra pair of shoes. So you have to kind of slow down a bit and say, what's really adding value to my life at this point? And that's where I think people kind of cross that line. So I think it is a self-discovery process. I really believe that in life, you have to seek out something, seek out good mentors. You can't just be force fed something. And that's kind of what made me shy away from school after is what else is there? This can't be it. Because at what point do you stop and say, okay, I've done everything people have asked of me. When do I start making my own decisions, right? When do I follow my own passions? When do I go through my own struggles? So it's a personal journey. Life's a journey, but I think it's empowering. I think you get a lot from making your own mistakes and then you kind of reap the benefits over time. It's definitely not overnight. For sure. But going just back to the point where you mentioned about school, do you think that some might argue that that's not necessarily the right thing? Or what's your counter argument? It's just called marginal benefit, right? So I did it post-secondary for a year and a half or so. Immense value. I really, really believe in that. But once you kind of teach yourself how to learn and think, I mean, what better time to make your own decisions than at 20? Why wait till you're 50? Why wait till life has passed you by and being able to have conviction about life, I think is really, really powerful. So an example is people will say, oh, you have to go to school. You have to get this job. But if you can stand on your own feet, I think that opens the doors to discovering who you truly are, discovering your passions. And I think just being curious about the world leads to good things. So it's not about trying to change the world overnight. It's not about trying to set these immense goals. It's about leaning into, hey, you know what, this is interesting, or no, I don't have to do things this way. And my counterpoint to school in its own, the fundamentals of school are that there's one right answer for everything. The best thing I ever kind of came across was there's actually almost always more than one right answer. 
And that opens you up to the possibility of creativity of, well, what can I come up with on my own? And I really like that. And that's kind of my background as to where this all came from, why it's important to kind of think outside the box, if you will. And it leads to cool things. So I think the more in that kind of headspace, the more you kind of come across cool discoveries. And to me, investing is one of them. Helps, like you said, buy you time. We rent our time right now. We both have jobs. And the question is, what do our lives look like if you own your own time? It was a few years ago that you and I were sitting down and, you know, I was talking about how much I enjoy the physics of racing and motorsport. And you were able to help me find so much information online on what I was really interested in, in terms of notes and research and, and books and stuff like that, that's available to me that I didn't have to go to school for. It's all online and it's so abundant. It's far beyond anyone would ever need. I could probably specialize and become an engineer by really focusing and studying everything online. And I watch uh, YouTube a lot on my free time. So during that time, all I watch is educational videos, things that I can either learn something off of or Perhaps if it was some news that is going to help me with my investment decisions or was physics related or was science related or anything like that, or even something completely different or, you know, DIYs, anything. And I enjoy watching YouTube so much because of that. It's unbelievable what's available online. Everything I know today about my investing and trading knowledge came from online. I didn't go to school for investments or trading, finance. Perhaps I knew the ABCs from from school. But when it comes to the real world, it's very different. It's very different. And that's where online education comes in. People give you their experiences and they tell you how it really is online. And even though there's a lot of nonsense, if you really do your research, you really can clear out the noise from what's actually valuable and informative. Yeah, totally. I always joke that with a $50 internet connection, you can learn anything in the world. So fixing washers and dryers, put on a shelf on the wall, how to learn about anything. Like it really, really opens up the possibility. So we live in a lucky time where we can do that. And everything is in the palm of your hand. Everything's on your phone. That's all you really need, honestly. Yeah. Uh, And to teach yourself. So those who argue, I don't have enough money to invest or I don't have money to go to school. Everything that mattered to me so far or that helped me so far with my financial education has been free. Like I said, I pay my internet connection, which I pay for anyway. I have a cell phone on me. That's all I really need to teach myself what I needed to know. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, um, sorry for interrupting, but when people talk to me, they always are quick to come up with a reason why they shouldn't do it. Or, And I find that with anything in life, they'll defer the thought even of, hey, that could be me. So like, do you have to be rich to invest? What's your take on that? Not at all. I don't think so. My first ever trade was around $5,000. For many people, it's a lot of money to put into the markets, but investment terms, it's pocket change. Now, I follow people who are pretty good at this, at trading specifically, because trading and investing are two different things. But they're really good at trading, and they got to the point that they can grow from $300 and turn it into five and six figures. And if you have the right education and you know what you're doing, 
and obviously not always going to win. You'll have wins and have losses. But again, think of it as opening a restaurant. Not every single restaurant that's open is going to turn profitable, right? I remember hearing a statistic up to 90% of the restaurants fail. So that means really, let's say over a period of five years, 100 restaurants open, 10 of them will be still around, whatever the time span is. So there's risk there, right? And the overhead is quite large. You have the location, the building or the rent and the equipment, the staff, the food, electricity bills, all that stuff. And that's a quite a large investment. With investing, it gives you access to grow your money with pretty much anything. There are accounts now where you can open with as little as $100. It's purely for yourself. It doesn't matter to anyone else. And if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it for you. It's one thing to take that $500 and just dump it in the market and buy a stock. You and I both did that when we first started, but it's money we were able to afford to lose. But that comes as cost of education. Think of it as tuition fees of the market. But I think just reading it up online, watching videos, doing your research, and then getting to market slowly will really reap the benefits fairly quickly if you have the right education. That's really awesome. I think that opens up some eyes. So what about you? What did you start with when you first started? Did you start with a large amount? No. I mean, it was probably no more than $500. And that was like an unlimited amount of money for me. That was money I didn't have really. So if I want to be honest, Mm. I was pre-spending my money hoping I wouldn't call it a lottery ticket, just more of if I, you know what, what it came down to was if I can earn more than I made that month, that's kind of amazing, right? So it was just exploring what happens if you do that. And I think what you said earlier about having more than one job, to me, I kind of treat it as a job. Like, I mean, you're always bad day one, but even if you're losing money, it's still a job. You're still involved, right? So it was kind of just something to pay attention to. And what really drove it home for me, and I can't exactly remember when I learned this, but imagine you've got money you can put aside, even if it's $100 a month. I always use that as an example that most people can reasonably set aside with an average job in Canada. What happened if you made that thousand? You can buy friends and family some gifts. You can spend some extra money on yourself. Not quite life-changing, but it's about jumping through the next order of magnitude. So what happens if you 10x that? So all of a sudden, a thousand becomes 10. And Mm -hmm. even if that's not life-changing, I would argue it is for most, but add another zero on that. You can go through these orders of magnitude and eventually you're going to hit a life-changing amount of money. And I think that's what this is all about, bettering yourself that way. So you can go from 1,000 to 10 to 100,000. And I know at that level, 99.9% of people, it would be life-changing to them. And what I would argue is that not only is it doable, it kind of enriches your life by following this kind of stuff. And my first real investment was in Tesla. And I was like, this guy's way smarter than I am. Here's some money. What was the byproduct? I actually started following a lot closer you know, being in the car business, following the car business a lot closer, the macro news, if you will. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's buying your own education. And sometimes you actually get your money back on that. You actually make money. So it's really, really valuable. That's kind of what it comes down to. And it's shaped who I am and it's made me smarter. It's made me better at my day job. So that kind of value you can't buy, right? It's not fake. You were saying about the whole easy come, easy go. What you build in your head over time is 
really, really useful and valuable. And I think it makes you a better person. So that's kind of the value I get. Yes, well said. Because that's education that's never going to go away. You're not going to lose that over, let's say you had one big loss, for example, on most of your gains, if you're a, a trader in that sense, you still have the education to know that you can grow that money back. You can get back any maybe even better because now you have more knowledge of what not to do. And it's just one step at a time. Just when I thought I knew quite a lot about the markets in general, it just humbles you and reminds you that you're never bigger than the market. There's always more to learn. There's always room to improve. And that's exciting for me. It just shows there's so much more opportunity than there already is. So it baffles me that a lot of people don't know or don't have the interest to know how they can grow their money. Again, it doesn't have to be through the financial markets. It could be through any way, but like you mentioned, you have to get to sustainability and then past that, that's when you start growing. And then it's just upwards from there. Yeah, totally. So uh, you said something that kind of caught my attention. Investing and trading are not the same thing. I'll profess I'm not the trader in this conversation, but maybe to people listening, what does that mean? So... When you come to the financial markets, the term trading and investing, they mean two separate things. Let's start with investing. Investing is you taking your money and putting it into some sort of asset, let's say a stock, for example. So you go and buy shares of a certain company and you hold these shares. And then over time, let's say over a period of one, two, three, four, ten years, Uh, the price of the stock goes up, right? So you bought them at $100 per share and 10 years time, they turn to, for example, $300 per share. So now your investment has tripled in value. So you as an investor, you have grown your account, you've grown your money to get to that point. Now you're not actively in and out of the stock in terms of buying the stocks and selling them in the same day or same week or same month. That's where trading comes in. Now, investing, first, before we go back to trading, investing has more to do with you believing in the value of the company because you're putting your money into that company, believing that over the long term, the company is going to grow and you're going to grow with it. You're being a shareholder of that company. You're being a partner, if you like, of the company and you own part of that company and you believe that's going to grow and you're going to grow with it. Now, in trading, a lot of that doesn't become relevant anymore. So what you do is you look into an asset or some sort of equity. Again, let's say a stock of a company, and you buy it at a certain price and hoping to sell it at a higher price in the near future. Many do what they call intraday trading. So you buy and sell the stocks in the same day, trying to make money out of, out of it or out of the movement of the stock. So from $100 to 101 you buy it at $100, sell it at a 101, you make a dollar per share. So multiply that, let's say times a thousand, that's a thousand dollars you've just made. So with that, it doesn't matter as much the fundamentals of the company, but what matters is perhaps the news on the day, maybe the volume, the amount of volume, meaning the, the amount of people or trading that stock at that particular time. I'm getting a bit too technical with it, but basically, you're scalping the movement. You're buying at a certain price, selling it in a relatively short period of time. And it doesn't have to be in the same day. It could be over a week, over a month, over a few months, and then selling it. So that's basically the difference between the two. 
I think a good balance is to trade and to invest. But for those who have no interest in trading, which is completely fine because it's not for everyone, investing, I think is a must for everyone because it's easy to understand. There are advisors out there that can give you advice. The banks can even help you on doing it for you on your behalf, like mutual funds and things like that. So it's accessible to everyone. Now, the growth rate is up for argument, but anyway, it's a, a form of making your money grow. Yeah, well said. What do you say to someone who is, I get this a lot too, which is, oh, that's risky, or you're going to lose your money. What do you tell to someone like that who, uh, who won't even think about jumping in? It's, it's a good point because, like I mentioned earlier, Let's say you want to open a restaurant, right? And even that has risk. There's no guarantees that you're going to be successful, that your business is going to be profitable. There's risk with everything. The fact that you're not putting your money into work is risk in itself because you're betting that your money is better off sitting in a savings or checkings account doing nothing than the markets would perform. Now, Funny that I say this because right now in this current situation, that's arguably the case. Being in a cash position where money's in the savings account is better than putting it in the markets. But again, it, some people are capitalizing on that opportunity. But generally speaking, for the entire period of the existence of the stock market and the markets in general, it's not been the case. It's actually been the case that you're better off putting your money to the market and there is risk with absolutely everything. Nothing is, is guaranteed, right? You are putting your life at risk just by commuting to work and back. It's all about probability and the probability of you getting into an accident, heaven forbid, and, and something bad happening to you that might be hindering you from doing your job and maybe losing your job over it is also risky. You don't have to put all your money all at once into the market. Even if you have $100,000 sitting in the bank, take $5,000, take $1,000, just see how it reacts. And then when you start seeing that you're slowly making money, and let's say you make an average rate of return of what the S&P has been for the past 10 years, would be around, let's call it 10%. You notice that, okay, so 10% a year, that multiplies. And if you go buy dividend stocks, then you have also dividend income on top of that. And then it's just really exponential growth from there. If you just put your money into the market and forget about it, you don't even have to watch the markets every day. You don't have to watch the markets ever. Even during these times, you know, if, if you're in this for the long haul, then what we're seeing right now today, for those who are listening to this way in the future, it's quite a volatile time right now with the coronavirus. The markets are down and up quite a lot, but that could be all just noise for those who are doing this to retire in 20, 25 years, right? Or longer. So this is going to fade out and just balance out eventually. Don't know how long it'll take, but we've always had these periods every seven, eight, nine years. So it's nothing uncommon. Yeah. What you're saying is it's worth knowing when to move and when to not um, so the awareness is important. And uh, what would you tell someone who says it's too risky? Can you quantify the risk? Let's say you get someone who's more uh, methodical, someone who's maybe an engineer, someone who likes to be analytical. How do you explain that to them? 
is there math behind that kind of question? Yeah, there is, but it depends on what position you plan on taking, what action you plan on taking. So if you say, what's the risk when it comes to investing? Well, I don't know the exact figure, but it comes down to, okay, so what are you putting your money into? And then how long are you planning putting it there for? At what price are you buying that asset, right? Are you buying gold? Are you buying a stock? Are you buying it at relative highs? Is there potential for future growth? And you do the math based on that. So let's say if you're trading, it seems that the statistic is nine out of 10 traders lose money. So everyone who is apparently trading, they believe they're one of the 10% that will, will make it. But when it comes to investing, it's a different story. Is there a percentage per se? Let's say, what are my odds of actually making money? Well, again, depends on what you're buying and at what price, and all of that comes into play. And then you can do the math using the statistic of the S&P for the past, I don't know how many years it's been doing anywhere between 10 to 14% annually on average. It's a good number to know where would you get 14% return anywhere. Unless you're an entrepreneur and or you're an investor where you put it into a small startup or you put it into again, some sort of business, whether it was your business or someone else's business, there's a chance you can make multiples of that. But then your odds of losing the money would be also quite high. Agreed. And banks will give you a percent. Losses to inflation, you actually are losing money. It's, it's the leaky ship analogy that a lot of people talk about. So I think that's uh, an important conversation, right? What I heard, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, what a stock price should be is the future value of the company. So if you believe the future value in the company is 10x or they've got a lot of room to grow, the first iPhone launched, the first Tesla on the road, whatever that inkling is, then mm-hmm. that's a that's a play, right? So if all your neighbors are getting Amazon delivered or watching Netflix, I mean, that's kind of how I deconstruct my investing thesis, which is, are they beating out the competition? Things like that. So do you think there's any merit to that kind of thinking? Yeah, for sure. And it's exactly the case. When you're putting your money into a company of a stock of some sort, it's only because you believe that it's going to get more valuable or it's going to grow from this point onwards. You believe that you're buying shares of a company at fair value that you think in one year, two years, five and 10 years, it'll grow quite a lot more. So even though you might think that this would be the future value of the company at this price, it's correct. It's based on the projections of where the company would be in the next quarter, next year, but you're buying it at a price that you believe is fair. And sometimes you can get stocks at a bargain. There are many companies that are trading way under their actual potential value. And we see that with a lot of tech companies that they start up with a relatively cheap or low stock price, and they can spike quickly even if they're not profitable. It's a good point because I follow tech quite religiously. That's my passion. Growth trumps all in a lot of cases. And you'll see that with the Ubers, the Amazons. And Amazon is the victor there who showed that slow growth over a long time and not making money, but consistent growth is super important. So long-term vision, right? And I don't follow the news. I don't follow blog posts. I actually will get the info from the source. So you can listen to earnings calls from public companies. And I don't really quite do it often, but you can follow financial statements. So there's all these levels of education you can give yourself. So you don't have to be a trader. You can do it at your own pace. And I think that's quite exciting.
what do you think for those who perhaps would say, why wouldn't you help me with this? Since you know so much, why wouldn't I give you, let's say, the conversation I started with? What would you have to say to those people? Let me give you $50,000 and would you trade for me? We talked about it. The value people get in doing things on their own is through that process. It's not just a quick money in, quick money out. And part of it is the relationships that we get soured. I'm more humble than that to think I can just go turn 50K into a million. It's not overnight. And there's a flip side to that. Don't listen to people who tell you not to do something. I've got a famous quote I like to say, no one will write you a check for missed opportunities. So if you don't take that job offer, if you don't take that chance on a business, if you don't take that investment, don't go knocking on their door saying, oh no, it went up four times. No one's going to write you that check. Yeah, that's cool. Very interesting piece of information there. So I think we'll wrap that up for today's episode. Thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. It's our first go at this, so we enjoyed it. Thanks, John. Thanks, everyone. Once again, methodicalmillions.com if you'd like to follow future episodes and info at methodicalmillions.com if you'd like to send us some feedback.